Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. Welcome back. Delighted to welcome my next guest to Luck on Sunday for this season finale. The most successful amateur rider of all time, to put it quite simply, and one of the most successful amateur riders at the Cheltenham Festival of all time as well. He is, of course, Patrick Mullins. Patrick, good to see you. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. Not at all. And busy boy yesterday, Killarney to Kilbegan, and then back over here in a wretched journey on the plane. So we're very grateful to you for, for, for giving up your time. But uh, people might assume these are, these are quieter months for you. Not so. No, no. Uh, August is probably our busiest month because we have all our winter horses come back in after Goy Festival. And it's always busy um, for us, you know. Over here you see you see the likes of, of Paul Nichols and Nicky Henderson seem to take the summer off a bit. But in Ireland with Gordon and Joseph and Willie, we're just full tilt. We, we've had 100 horses in at all at all stages, so um, there's never a, a moment set up. And you obviously got Galway as a, that focal mm. festival in the summer as well, which has become increasingly important to, to your team as well. We heard from, from Dermot Well was sitting in, in Dave's seat last week and he, he rather ruefully said, well, it's Willie Mullins' territory now. Yeah, like I remember growing up, um, obviously the plate and the hurdle were very important races. My grandfather uh, had great success in them. And, um, but we never really would have aimed around Galway, whereas now uh, it's become... Uh, as you say, the focal point of our summer. So from after Punchestown, we are aiming horses for Galway. And uh, Willie has taken it a lot more seriously, um, as has the likes of Aidan and Joseph. So it's, it's, it's hugely competitive. And is the business now more multidimensional than it was when even you started assisting your, your parents? Uh, it's definitely busier. Like, our summers were never as busy as they are now. I think summer racing has become... A lot more important. I think they've done a great job watering tracks, keeping ground safe. Um, we've got some great clerks of the course that have um, the tracks in pristine condition, and the prize money during the summer is good as well. So mm. it offers a lot of opportunities for um, you know horses that uh, maybe can't be competitive during the winter. You had two runners in, in yesterday's Ebor as well. Dear old Max Dynamite, former runner-up in the Melbourne Cup, and True Self. I thought she ran an absolute screamer. I mean, she looked like the likeliest winner of Furlong Out. She did. Um, actually, myself and a friend um, bought her for. Uh, she was unsold, twenty sterling at a sale after being second in the Trial Bumper, and we bought her. Um, and my father saw her when she got off the box, and she was Trial filly after having a hard race, going to sales, travelling to Ireland, and he said to me, "Please tell me you didn't buy her." <laughs> so of course I, I moved her on quite quickly, and I haven't let him forget that. Um, but she, she's been an absolute freak, you know, an Oscar mare. She ran a blinder, Dunnock gave her a fantastic ride. Looked like she possibly just didn't stay, which, to be fair, Colin Keane had always been saying, you know, a mile and two, a mile and four, it was no problem to her. So we might possibly drop her back and trip, and um, her owner is never eager. They get great sport out of her, and uh, I'm sure there's more fun to be had with her. But 20 grand, I mean, you got more than that for finishing six yesterday. Uh, yeah, well, it's 15, a bit less, but um, no, but it's brilliant. Like Neville and um, a couple of his friends, owner, and they get great sport out of her. You know, they go over with a, with a group of fellas every day, and that's... That's great to see. Do you think you'll become more of a force on the on the flat? I mean, you've already had amazing success in some of the cup races and know about the raids to the Melbourne Cup, which so nearly came off. Do you think it'll become a bigger and bigger part of the of the business? Um, in the longer distance races, you know, we, we're very lucky that we can buy uh, good quality flat horses, go hurdling, and then if they don't make the cut as hurdlers, they can come back. Um, so, you know, in, in the kind of mile and six, two mile races, even back to mile and four sometimes, um, but I don't see us being like Jesse Harrington or Joseph, you know, uh, and having lots of two-year-olds and three-year-olds. I mean, what mm -hmm. Jesse is doing is extraordinary uh, with her two-year-olds this year. Um, no, we, we have a handful every year, but Willie made a decision uh, a couple of years ago to concentrate on 
jumping, and I think that's what we'll what we'll do. And when they don't make the cut for jumping, we might bring them back for long distance flat races. And from your own perspective, I, I said you're the most successful amateur rider of, of all time. You've won any number of, of Cheltenham Festival races and bumpers and hurdles and, and chases and what have you. Are there many are there many personal riding ambitions that you've you've got left to achieve? Uh, lots, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What would be the what would be the top of the list? Um, well, I'd love to win. Um, I'd love to win the GBT in Galway. Uh, Auburn Man's won it twice, and Jordan Townend did it this year for Willie. So, unfortunately, I think that the the, the winners seem to carry too little weight for me, um, which, which isn't ideal. But maybe one one year, well, Willie won it with a horse called Paragon. He had twelve stone seven, but those days are gone, unfortunately. Uh, I was second to Kim Yor. Um, that's a race I'd love to win. Uh, I think Willie's never won a handicap chase at Cheltenham, so I'll probably have to start maybe uh, um, getting off his horses in it. Um, the Fox under is an entry, and I'd love to ride a winner in Toy before I retire. That'd be great. And I need one more title to beat Ted Walsh's record of, of titles, titles. Even so, though you've way past his, his, uh, his record now. Are you up to sort of 600 odd now? No, I'm, I'm in about 593 or 4. So no, I, 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 I'm alright, I'm within 5. Yeah. I'd have got that right on University Challenge, wouldn't I, Dave? You would you get <laughs> 5 or 6 either way? Yeah, probably. I don't watch it, but I, I imagine that's about right. Yeah. But that is a, that is a remarkable total for a, an amateur writer, yeah, even though is. he's only an amateur by name. It's, it's astonishing. Um, I was... It, I, I don't know if you've got this question, my least planned, but I, I was quite interested, Patrick, to know what you would think about the, the changes that they made to the to the National Hunt Chase that were that were announced. That coming back in distance, obviously fewer obstacles, a a, a higher qualification for the for, rider. For the rider. Um, yeah, like last year's race wasn't ideal. Um, England is a very different country than Ireland, and. I don't have a problem with a lot of the, you know, the, the qualifications for the jockeys and the horses is, is fine. Um, I, I have one question um, over that the, the change in distance is um, the, the start of that race was a fantastic start. Three furlings, three fences. You could line up wide, go forward. If you jump well, you'd be able to get a position. You didn't mind lining up wide. The start now is 100 metres to the first fence, followed by a sharp, long downhill left-hand turn. So. I wonder, is there going to be a funnel effect into the first and into the first bend? Uh, I wonder about that. And for me, if there is an issue with the formal chase, it's that an, it's a novice chase with 18 runners. Can you name me another novice chase with a full field? Not really. It's a handicap-sized field for novice horses. Um, and a lot of them haven't run in handicaps. Uh, I would have thought perhaps bringing the limit of from 18 down to maybe 14 would have created, A, you have less horses, so you have less fallers, um, but you have less pace because there's less horses, and you'd have more space at the fences. So you're removing a little bit of the chaos factor, That's potentially. What I would have thought. Like, it's, it's a handicap-sized field. You don't see the Arkle, the JLT, the RSA with 18 runners. Um, you see them with 8, 10, maybe 12. Uh, that's what I would have thought. But look, I'd be, I'll be very interested to see how, how, how it goes. Um, perhaps the start will be fine. Um, but uh, I, I think I'd be, I'd be interested to see how it goes. Yeah. Did you get asked what you thought? Um, we actually made it, myself, Derek and Jamie, through our amateur association, sent a letter asking you know, to be involved in um, any discussions. And uh, we, we got an email telling us about a week ago telling us what the changes were going to be and that they were going to be released next Monday but we weren't um, asked as such which 
was a little disappointing. I mean, I know Ruby feels the same as I do about the start, um, and you would have thought perhaps talking to people um, that are riding in the race uh, would have been um, beneficial. That's quite an interesting point, I think, here, Dave, and one that's worth picking up on, because I think it's right as a regulator you have to be quite bold, and sometimes you need to shut out the surround sound. But in an instance like this, where Patrick's brought up a very specific point about safety, yeah. then I think you need to make sure you listen to experienced constituents carefully. Yeah, I've got to be careful what I say here. I think that the BHA often consult the people or try and appeal to people that there's not really an awful lot of point in trying to do that. And I think that's, that I think that why you would not consult an amateur jockeys association and the leading practitioners therein when you're, you know, what, what you've just said about the start is something that hadn't occurred to me. I was asked to comment. N- nor me. I, I was because asked I, to comment. I haven't written in the damn race, have I? So I, I was asked to comment about the changes, and I thought, and, and I sort of said, well, yeah, distance, mm. meh. The, the, the qualification of the jockeys, I certainly think, is a, is a good thing. But I had no, no idea about how the start would work out. And I do wonder if that's. If, Many people making the decision would appreciate that either. And, and I could be wrong. I, the start might work out. But, but, but why, you know, and, and we, we, we had a, a, a meeting about the compressed foam a few uh, months ago. James Willoughby and I were at it and we were, we were invited by the BHA to contribute to that in the future. We've not heard a dicky bird since then. And, and I, I think that uh, I, I th- it's, it's a nonsense not to not to consult leading amateurs. Isn't it? They're not giving you the rule book to write. But why would you not seek, even if you choose to take your submission, screw it up into a ball, and volley it out of the window? At least, why why would you not seek the the views of? Of people like Patrick, it just seems like a, just seems a nonsense to me to, to present it. You know, you're too polite to say this, but to, but what what they've done is to present a fait accompli to you, and that, that's surely that's that's ill advised, isn't it? I think on a, on a wider point, I wanted to to ask you how, the extent to which you you feel the responsibility as an ambassador for the for the amateur branch of the sport as well. And I know I say you're only an amateur in name and you, you're different from other amateurs because you get lots of opportunities on lots of really nice horses and you've conceded that readily in the past and, and you're better than the vast majority of them as well. But do you, do you feel that it's up to people like you and Derek O'Connor and Jamie Codd to sort of almost fly the flag and say, we're very good at what we do and we want this branch of the sport to continue? Uh, yes, of course. Now we're also very aware that we get some fantastic opportunities as amateurs in over in Shetland. So um, you know, we're very grateful for that. And like I said, I think the changes aren't. You know, I, I don't think you can complain too much of the changes. But um, yeah, I think obviously we've been at it quite a long time, and, and we have to to um, try and uh, represent it well. Yeah. Now, I, I wanted to ask you a bit more about riding winners at the festival in and of themselves because it seems to me that for for your family perhaps more than any other this is something that is just burned so deeply in you that that not riding winners at the festival was just not a possibility 
Uh, well, I think that's probably like every, everyone who rides wants to ride it. Whether winner there, yeah. Uh, the, it, the, to win one when I was 18 was fant- fantastic because of Vinnie because my father always kind of was saying to me, "You're not going to be at this very long because you're quite tall." And um, so that was uh, that took a huge weight off his shoulders, I suppose. Mm. Um, but it's never enough. <laughs> Riding one is never enough. Um, even two, or three, or four is never enough. You know, I see. Uh, Nina and uh, Jamie have had seven or eight, and uh, you want you want you always want more, uh, especially when you have good opportunities every year. Um, so, to, to, I, I want another one, <laughs> as everyone does. <laughs> What's your earliest memory of it as a child? Of Cheltenham? Yeah. Uh, watching Florida Pearl win the bumper with Richard Dunwoody, and, and the, the, the actually the uh, at the time the. Uh, the excitement was having Richard and Woody riding for us. Um, I wasn't allowed to be there. I was told I wasn't allowed to go until we had a runner in one of the three main races. So I got over there for a Florida Pearls uh, 99 Gold Cup. And going over there as an 11-year-old child, and Florida Pearls was our main horse, and he always won. And he'd fallen at Christmas, which was the shock of shocks. And, uh, but he won the Hennessy then. And then for him to get beaten in the Gold Cup, I just couldn't, couldn't believe it. And it was actually a picture of us walking back in, and just as an 11-year-old kid... Um, it was my first proper experience with Cheltenham and it was disappointment and that's actually a good way because uh, because there's far more disappointment there than, than uh, the opposite for most people more than you to be fair well yeah <laughs> but we do bring quite a lot of horses as well so we probably lose more races as well <laughs> and Cousin Vinny I mean do you, we just saw a clip of you there riding Cousin Vinny to success is, was that did that go by in a bit of a blur or, or is, the, is the recollection pretty good um, the recollection is pretty good. I, you know, there was a day after they called off the racing wins. There was ten races. Mm. It was very dark. Um, I, my memory of the race is that everything went went smoothly, and um, I remember getting a great position. I remember being being behind Ruby, following him, and uh, it took forever to get up the hill. And um, no, it was definitely something I won't forget. It, it, it always strikes me whenever you're interviewed how often you reference Ruby, how often you reference him, not only as a as a brilliant jockey, but also as a source of, of wisdom and, and, and counsel. How much, how much are we going to miss him in the saddle? What's going to be the, the net effect of his departure from, from race riding at the highest level? Uh, yeah, well, he can't be replaced um, because, he, you know, I don't think any jockey will do both countries like he did. You know, to have the top Irish yard and the top English yard um, is, is unique in my time anyway. And, but... Even in the yard, uh, outside of a jockey, and he still he still comes in on work mornings. He's still heavily involved, um, but he brings so much more to the yard in that he's always very enthusiastic. You can ask him any question; he'll always give you a, a thoughtful answer, not just a, he won't just fob you off. Um, he, he is he is irreplaceable, yeah. Because sometimes he can kind of give the impression, which I always think is misleading, whether it's deliberate or not. I don't know. Sometimes he gives the impression of being a bit kind of nonchalant, but when you actually see him. Engaged with the horses, there's no one who's more enthusiastic with the planning and the you know the the mechanics of it all. Oh yeah, like even even at home, riding a bit of work, you could pull up and he's, he's like an 18 year old kid. Sometimes you can see it in his eyes and uh, his face. Um, he thrives off it, and uh, he's just he's a very unique man. Were you really surprised when he retired? Oh yeah, completely. He hadn't said anything. I'd actually said to someone about three races beforehand that. Uh, so they asked me about Ruby retiring, and I said, no, she's not retiring. Of course she's not retiring. Look at all the horses she has to ride next year. <laughs> um, so completely caught, caught all of us on the hope. I mean, you could even see Willie, um, Willie's surprise on his face on, on RTE. So um, uh, I couldn't believe it, yeah. But you've got such a great string of jockeys there that he's not replaceable, but you can 
you can go into the next season with confidence. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, Paul Townend mm. is uh, is an incredible jockey, and I think the year Ruby, the year before last, when we were missing Ruby for a lot of it, I think we had a record amount of winners and a record amount of winners in Punchestown. So um, Paul is well able to fill his boots. And your your dad seemed particularly delighted for Paul's Gold Cup win. You could sense that coming out of every pore, really, as well as his, uh, as much as as it was for himself, really. You know, this, this long held ambition to win the Gold Cup, and he'd been second in it half a dozen times, and he almost seemed as happy for the rider as he was for for his own achievement. Yeah, I mean, sure, it's, it's been a long time coming, um, you know, uh, and no one no one is entitled to go a cup, but uh, after all those seconds, it was. Uh, it was a long time coming, but especially for Paul, obviously on the, on the horse as well. And look what happened, happened. But uh, the, 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 even the next day in Punchdown, he came out and rode the treble and then to win the Gold Cup on Album Photo. I mean, you saw the, the, the buzz that Paul got out of it. It, um, it was incredible, yeah. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to know what the sort of organisation is like at, uh, at the yard because Ruby will always, will always say that Willie's sort of organised chaos if you like and that his, his mind is a sort of a, amazing uh, sort of clutter if you, uh, yet how can you be disordered yet brilliantly organised at the same time is that just the partnership between you and your father and your mother what, how, does that, how does that all work uh, well, he, he works the way he works. He, he doesn't work like other people, um, and he's very difficult to work with. <laughs> but he has a he has a great he has a great back team. My mother, um, you know, ha- my mother handles um, a lot of the yard. Um, Dick Dowling, our head man, John Codd, Rachel Robbins, Virginia Basco, they handle the yard. And, and you know, he he's set up a, a routine, a system, and everyone knows their part. Um, David Casey, Joe Sharp, Ruby uh, are a huge help to him in the office with through entries, declarations, uh, dealing with owners. Um, so it's all departmentalised, um, and uh, he comes in and puts the, the finishing touches on, on top then. So, so essentially he's got all the sort of craftsmen in place doing their bit, and then he brings in the kind of flourish. Yeah. He's, he's got, he's got the, the, the bit of genius, the bit of the touch. Uh, is, that, is that one yeah, way of looking well, at it? You know, he set it up in such a way that everyone uh, knows what they're meant to do and how to do it. And... Uh, you know, he he can change his mind the last minute. He doesn't make his he doesn't make his mind up until the last minute, and, and then he can still change it. So um, he keeps you on your toes, all right. Yeah. And what is that? Just because he prefers to work on instinct, do you think, rather than precision? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, there's nothing written down um, uh, like on the gallops. You know, we, we I see I've seen other been other places there, and I was in, I was in Gosden's, and the, you know everything. The gallops are recorded, and the work riders are not done out the day before. And no, we 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 do that on the morning. So Willie will go up to the gallop, he'll look at the horses, and he'll say, "We're not going to work that this morning, even though it might be running next week." You know, and uh, I might change the rider, I might put a heavier rider on, or a lighter rider on, or a kinder rider on. Um, so that's all off his eye. He likes to train off his eye, which I think his father was like as well. And um, it's hard, sometimes it can be hard to get your head around it, but he has a very annoying habit of being right. <laughs> Is it one that you share? <laughs> um, I'm not sure about that. You have to ask someone else. But is your method? Would you, do you think your methodology would or will be the same? Uh, Are you similar? In ways, I think I'm. I'm probably a bit more punctual and a bit more organised. But um, but uh, some people might tell you different. And you, you say you've got a lot of ambitions to fulfil still in the saddle. In somewhere in your mind, is there a is there a point where the priorities will change? Not at the moment. I mean, my father rode he was 40. Um, riding is a great way of life. Uh, you know, you, we, you, you go out, you get on a horse, you ride it, you come back in, you might have to deal with an angry owner or a trainer, but 
you walk away. You don't have to go home and uh, you know deal with bills, deal with staff, deal with injured horses. Um, so there's a lot less responsibility. There's a lot less pressure. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying observing my father train and, and learning from him. So I'm in no rush. Uh, marriages and mortgages and training can all can all come uh, in the future. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.